Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another Friday live stream. Uh, welcome back to my studio. Welcome back to my life. If you are listening or watching after the fact, welcome back to another video or another episode of Sounds of the Future. Uh, and if you are here or hopping in live right now, welcome. Uh, as always, I'm going to chit chat a little bit while everybody hops in. Uh, I keep meaning to extend the intro of this live stream, but just can't seem to get to it, but we'll get there one day. Yo, Kaifos, what's up, dude? It has been a while, man. I'm glad you're here today. Thanks for hopping in, dude. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, I myself am having a pretty good day. I am working on tweaking a few little uh, remastering settings on some tracks so that I can plan this waterfall release uh, strategy that I'm going to test for you guys pretty soon. Degard, what's up? Thanks for hopping in. Burros, yo, what's up, dude? Thanks for hopping in today, you guys. I'm glad y'all are here. And thank you for hopping in at the beginning, too, uh, so that I don't have to sit here and talk to nobody for, you know, hours and hours. <laughs> or what seems like it live on the internet, right? It's like 30 seconds is uh, forever. John, what's up, man? Thanks for being here today. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I'm, uh, working on remastering some tracks right now. Um, I've gone back and forth about whether or not I wanted to adjust the masters or not for, uh, the waterfall strategy. But when I like put the songs in a playlist and I listen to them back to back, even though Spotify, like I have the auto leveling on, I still can tell a difference. So I think I'm going to remaster everything, not everything like hero, and holding on and maybe lions won't get touched, but the other ones before that will probably get remastered just because I didn't know what I was doing at all when it came to mastering uh, for the first tracks. In fact, with uh, To the Wolves, which will be the first vocal song I released and um, so the, the oldest song on the album, I used Lander for that one. So I had no clue what I was doing at that point in time. So it's nice to look back and realize like, hey, I've learned a lot. So time to apply that that knowledge to a full length release. Um, so yeah, so doing that, uh, today and then, um, playing around with some, uh, crypto stuff this morning. I've been poking around trying to, um, learn more about like alternate, uh, blockchains that are out there aside from Ethereum. I had, um, somebody sent me a message yesterday. I posted on Instagram stories that I, I've discounted all the prices for all of my trading card NFTs on OpenSea. And he was like, uh, Hey man, I was going to buy one, but the gas fees are like 260 bucks. I was like, yeah, probably don't get one then that sucks. So trying to figure out a way around that shape of the sun. What's up, dude. Um, so if anybody out there, if any of y'all are using, um, a different blockchain for NFTs or for DeFi, drop it in the thread. I would love to know what you guys are using. Uh, John, what are you using for your mastering? So I use Ozone Elements, which is like the pared down version of their full mastering suite. Uh, in it, I've only got the EQ, the Imager, which is like the spectral spectrum integer stereoizer thing. And then the, um, whatever it's called, the like squishing, the like compression plugin. I forget what it's, it's called. It's got a, a name to it. The Maximizer, I think is what it's called. Um, so <clears throat> that's what I use. That's the thing that I do most of the work in, but my two channel has a bunch of stuff on it. I've got, um, 
some slate plugins on there, a couple of compressors and EQs sort of like chaining into the ozone. And then I put the, um, the, uh, air plugin, uh, I forget exactly what it's called. Something air, um, fresh air. That's it. There we go. The fresh air plugin on it to like lift out the high end a little bit and then like automate the stereo image and stuff from like verse to drop to chorus and all that stuff. Um, and then I use just like stock lock logic plugins for metering to check the levels and to check the full EQ spectrum at the end of the chain. So it's probably like eight or nine plugins in my two channel for my mastering chain. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, let's see. Hey, Tano, what's up, dude? Thanks for hopping in. Uh, Eddie, yo, what's up, man? Thanks for being here today. Uh, let's see. Shape of the sun. How, how have everyone's conversion costs been recently? Uh, might have been fluctuating a fair amount this week, but I have just been chalking that up to the fact that I've been testing a lot of stuff. So it has gone like a pretty wide recently. Like it's been, I had um, one day where like before noon, my conversion costs were like above 25 cents, which for me is very, very rare these days. So it was really odd that it shot up that high. Um, but usually by the end of the day, everything levels out, um, in every campaign, but it has been a little funky lately. Um, are you investing in NFT gaming at all? No, I haven't. I haven't bought any gaming NFTs yet, but I am very interested in the space. Uh, interested to see what happens with it. Um, and also like, it's one of the reasons I'm asking about like other blockchains and stuff. Like I have seen a lot of people building more on like Binance and Solana lately as opposed to Ethereum because like Ethereum transaction fees are just incredibly high. I mean, it like it makes the, the whole blockchain unusable unless you're using, unless you're trading high dollar amount or you are on like a layer two solution like to, I mean, if you wanted to put like just like a hundred bucks in DeFi, Ethereum is like not accessible to you because it's over twice that in gas fees to just put a hundred dollars in. So you're not going to even earn back the interest on your initial investment to cover the gas fees for like years, which is just ridiculous. So, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Kaifos, how, how has your ad spend been about a week ago? My ads were running great, and then all of a sudden seemed to just plummet and shot over $1 or $2, a conversion for like a week straight, so I shut it off. Yeah, all right, Kanal, you've had the same thing. My costs have gone up this week for lookalike audiences. The default is now audience expansion, and you can't change it, at least for me. Maybe that's why costs are higher. Yeah, so I've noticed that too. Um, Facebook like rolled out a couple of things all like at once or like in rapid succession. They did they now are making uh, detailed targeting expansion mandatory for conversion campaigns for some people. Some ad managers don't have this yet, but some of us do. It just turned on for me within the last week where now if I make a new conversion ad set, I can't turn off detailed targeting expansion. It's just on by default. And then I made a new one yesterday with uh, lookalike audiences and lookalike expansion was on by default as well now for me. So I can't even turn that off anymore. So those two things have tripped on for me. And then they recently changed all of their conversion objectives 
uh, at the like main campaign level or not conversion, excuse me, campaign objectives at the main campaign level to now the op, like where the options are different uh, to choose from when we first start a campaign. So they're like, they're messing with a whole bunch of stuff in the box right now. And I'm probably that my guess is that that's why things are higher. God knows what's going on over there. And they're changing their company name. Like they're just doing a whole bunch of stuff. So something in there has got to have something to do with it is my guess. Kind of the same way, like Spotify is retooling their data. And so everybody lost like 30 to 40% of their saves because they split out. John actually, John Lamboy, uh, who's in here, uh, brought it up to me. He sent an email to Spotify and they responded saying they had split out the data tracking for um, playlist ads and then library saves. Apparently, as it was reported in the uh, Spotify for Artists app before that, they were combined, which I didn't realize they were combined. I thought they were separate altogether anyway. So that's what they say they did. And that's why the numbers are different there. So, uh, yeah, they're meta now. <laughs> so meta dude, meta world piece is so mad. <laughs> um, let's see, Eddie, can you break down how to autoplay a song into a playlist and then it goes to the next song? Maybe they changed it, but I can't seem to be able to put an ad that auto plays a song straight in a playlist. Um, yeah, Eddie, I'm not sure how to do that either at this point. I know that when you go direct to the song, it'll autoplay. When you go direct to your profile, I'm pretty sure it will not. Um, but I don't know what the slug is at the very end of the URL to get it to do that. I do know that if you include the question mark and everything afterward in the link, it will deep link into the app for you, but I don't know how to get it to autoplay unless you're going directly to the song. So I know it's a little bit frustrating, but hopefully that is a very, very low hurdle to get over. I like to think that it is like if somebody's gone through, gone to the trouble to watch your ad, listen to it, swipe up, click the button on your landing page, and then arrive at the playlist. I like to think they're going to, at the very least, play the first song in the playlist to see what's up. So I think if you use the same song in like whatever song you're using in your ad, you put that first in the playlist. That's probably the best chance you have of getting them to stick around. Uh, let's see. Kalen. Oh, sorry. I uh, skipped you. Fabulous. Uh, the new Spotify for artists release metrics contains a metric called intent rate. Not shown in the UI, but it is in the back end data. It's a decimal value between zero and one. Any idea what this might be? I wonder. I'm a pull. I'm about to pull this out of thin air because I didn't know about that, and so I'm just going to take a wild guess at this live on the internet. I wonder if it has anything to do with the intention that the user has to either continue listening to your music or to save your music or to come back to your catalog. And my guess is it is probably just as like the popularity score goes from zero to, I believe it goes all the way up to a hundred, like a hundred is, you know, you're, it's a perfect release from a perfect artist, right? Like Justin Bieber might get a song at a hundred, but like that's it or Taylor or Beyonce. <laughs> um, I think maybe it's the intention to be a repeat listener, something like that. So just as the popularity goes from zero to a hundred, this is basically zero to a hundred. If it's zero to one on a decimal system. Um, I wonder if like the more songs they listen to, 
the more songs they save and the more times they listen to music, the higher their intent rate becomes for you as an artist. Um, so I want like, and then like all of the, everybody who listens to your music is like pulled in and averaged out to create one intent rate for your music. That's, that's my best guess on like off the top of my head, off the cuff, probably something like that. Um, Kaylin, would you recommend we wait on our releases until they figure their stuff out? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I would keep going. If you have one in the hopper and it's scheduled and it's ready to go, I'd follow through with it. Uh, if you uh, don't have one, but you're trying to think about when to release, November and December are months you can kind of get away with sitting out anyway. Uh, if you're going to take time off from releasing, November and December are the times to do that. So if you're on the fence, yeah, maybe wait till January if you don't have one coming out in the next week, you know, or I guess the next few days of October. Um, but if you have one in the hopper, I probably wouldn't reschedule it. I would just keep going. My guess is they'll get it figured out. Uh, Degar, do you have to update anything in the course for now because of the new changes with Facebook? Yes. So, in fact, I have updated a couple of small things in there. I don't know if you've seen them or not. I've added a couple of new videos as they've changed things. Um, I've added a follow-up video to creating and um, changing your audiences uh, in the audience tab because they changed the targeting for Indonesia and Thailand uh, based on age. So we now pull those countries out along with India. So I did uh, an update on that. Um, and then for the for the detailed targeting and the lookalike expansions, I am going to add videos for that. Um, once this becomes a little bit more widespread, um, I probably will go ahead and add a video that just says like, hey, if you see this, actually, I may have already added a video on that. I'll have to go check. Um, like, hey, if you see this, it doesn't, you know, it, like if you can turn this, can't turn this off, it doesn't apply to you. These like couple of videos. And then for the campaign level, I think I did do that video actually. And then for the campaign level stuff, I'll probably update that as well. But yeah, the course will always be updated with the most up-to-date stuff. The tricky part of it is that right now the new way applies to some people, but the old way applies to most people. So as things are in the course currently, most people have that version of their ad manager. The new stuff is still getting rolled out. So if I just update the course to that and change every video and don't cover the old way, then there's going to be some people who are like, I don't what do I do with detailed targeting expansion? Cause they'll have the checkbox and they won't know what to do. So it's a balance to like get the timing right to kind of effectively cover both of them. And then eventually you're, you're kind of like overlapping transitioning from one setup process to another because of the change. So right now we're on the tail end of like how things have been. I'll add in the new thing soon. And then once that starts to take over, I'll, I'll sort of reformat the flow of it to remove that stuff and just have the new stuff up there. But that's a good question. Yes. I will always, always do my best to have the most up-to-date and relevant information in the course. The good, the good news is that every single video in there has a discussion panel alongside it. So if you have a question about that specific video, like let's say for example, you don't have the checkboxes for detailed targeting expansion anymore and it's automatically turned on for you. When you get to one of those videos, 
you can just ask a question alongside that video in the discussion panel and say, hey, I don't have this checkbox anymore. What do I do? And I'll, I hop in there every day and uh, respond to that stuff. So I'll just hop in there and be like, hey, if you don't have it, um, you know, do it this way. And I also can, if I have a YouTube video on it for, for the time being, I can be like, check out this link and this video at this timestamp will tell you what you can do until I can incorporate it into the course. So um, I'm always doing my best to try to make sure it's all taken care of for anybody who's in there. So good question. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, on a different note, inside of there, for those of you who are in the community, I did ask a question earlier this morning about the structure of the community. So if you haven't seen it, go to the Artist Access community and uh, read that uh, thread if you want to respond and give me your opinion on the matter. Basically, I'm thinking about um, like how right now we've got we've got the course. My intention is to have a few more courses over time that teach specific you know aspects of what we're doing and kind of covering on this channel as things go forward. Like when I have a Shopify course, I'm probably going to end up doing just an Instagram course um, and a few other ideas that I have. So right now we have the we have the one course. You can comment and discuss things alongside every single video on the course as it relates to, you know, that specific video. But there's like, essentially, you can have discussions everywhere, all inside of the curriculum. But then we've also got the artist access community and the Spotify accelerator course community. So there's like two communities and there's discussion options on like on the videos. And I feel like some of that's redundant. So I want to figure out a way to like streamline that a little bit more because I feel like the conversations are a little bit fragmented. And ideally, I would love for everybody to be able to find things easily in the same place. So what I'm thinking about is maybe like nixing one of the communities, the Spotify Accelerator Artist community um, to make it easier. And then maybe thinking about adding, adding like a Discord community alongside it or just translate the community portion to discord because I think that might be easier for everybody to use and the notification system and like the course platform isn't awesome you can't get push notifications you can only get email notifications and for me I think it would be better personally I would like it better if I had like an app on my phone to like just quick chat with you know like you know telegram or discord or whatsapp or whatever I think might be easier for everybody. So that's what I'm thinking about. Um, if you're in there, hop in, give me a reply. I'd love to know your thoughts. If you want to give me your thoughts here, that's cool too. Um, let's see, elective theater. I think I had a weird issue with click bots coming from Nepal and Egypt. Okay. Got a ton of link clicks and almost no click throughs on a new campaign. Also not one listener from those countries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure, dude, that is not, uh, not weird at all. Unfortunately, it happens to everybody. If you're, I shouldn't say everybody, pretty much everybody who's gone through that. Um, if you're getting, first of all, are you running, okay, 300, three to 400 link clicks in a matter of hours with a 10? It's like if you're using toned in, you're not, but if you are, definitely switch to conversions. Um, but it sounds like you are running conversions. Um, I would just pull those countries out for now. Um, in fact, if you're, if it continues, you might want to think about duplicating and making a new ad set that targets just 
North and South America, Europe and Oceania and pulling out Asia and Africa kind of at large for a week or two to kind of like retool your data and re-educate Facebook on who's going to click through. Because even though um, you're going to have probably a slightly higher cost by targeting just those four continents, the likelihood of running into bot traffic is much lower because for whatever reason, most of the bot traffic comes from Southeast Asia um, with a little bit coming from uh, coming from Africa as well, but mostly Southeast Asia. I would also double check your pixel settings. Make sure that your pixel is firing properly. Make sure that it's co uh, correctly connected to your domain. Make sure that your events are correctly set up in aggregate event measurement. Because if you're getting 300 to 400 clicks and uh, no, no conversions, it could be a pixel issue. It sounds like because of the time, 300 to 400 clicks um, in a matter of hours sounds like a pretty like quick coordinated attack. But I would still check your pixel settings because you just want to make sure all your bases are covered. Um, like just go down the list, like go into your business manager settings, just lay eyeballs on all the things, make sure everything's set and then go to your event uh your events manager and lay eyeballs on all the things and make sure everything is set there as well. I would start there, make sure that like the machine works and then I would move over to the ad set level and refine my targeting a little bit. And then lastly, I would also double check the age that you're targeting. Don't target anybody under 18. If you are, I don't know that you even can anymore. I know that they've been changing some stuff in that. Um, but in the, in case you are pull out 13 to 17 because most of the bots are ages 13 to 17. And my guess is that might have a little bit to do with why they've pulled that out uh, of, from targeting with their ad system kind of anyway, as, you know, in addition to a whole other things with, you know, as far as minors are concerned, but my guess is that's probably part of it too. Uh, let's see, Zarvi. Hey Tom, how's it going? We're on the moon. <laughs> Ethereum did crazy today. Dude, it's so great. I love it. I'm so glad that I have some in my wallet. <laughs> um, what I mean, what even is it at? I haven't checked uh, in a minute. Let's go look. Dude, yes. 4,400. That's what's up. I love it, dude. Makes me so happy. Um, let's see. Uh, Amit, uh, changing the budget per day after a week in the ad, restarting the learning phase, because I see a lot do this. So. Um, it depends on how frequently you change your budget and by how much. So if you've changed it after a week, you're fine. You don't want to change your budget more frequently than every three days at, at, I guess at maximum, that's the most frequently you want to change it. I would try to make it five or seven, um, that, you know, to try to wait at least five or seven days before you make any budget changes. If you're waiting a week, that's perfect. You're great. The other one is, excuse me, um, you don't want to change it by more than 50% in either direction. So this usually translates to like one move down, two moves up. So if you are at $10 a day and you want to adjust the budget down, the furthest you should go is $5. If you want to adjust the budget up, the furthest you should go is $15 because you're $5 in either direction, which is 50% of $10 where you currently are. If you want to get to $5, it's one move. If you like, if you want to cut your budget in half, it's one move to five bucks. If you want to double your budget to 20, 
it's two moves, five, then 20 or 15, then 20. So always think about the 50% rule. If you want to play it even safer, don't move it by more than like 25 or 30%. And then um, you'll be even safer with the learning phase, but 50% you should be just fine. But I should say that also if your campaign is established and it's been running for a week or two and you're getting good results and you do adjust the budget and you do go back to the learning phase, it's not the end of the world. What you really want to avoid is making changes while in the learning phase. And you especially want to avoid making changes while in the very first learning phase of your campaign. Because if you hit the learning phase after your campaign's been on for like a week or a month or two months or whatever, all that data is still in there and it's going to figure it back out. You want to avoid it if you can, but it's not nearly as bad as if you do it like right out of the gate. Let's see, elective. Uh, this is the first time that's happened in the five campaigns I've ran. Could my pixel have randomly gotten messed up if it was working before? Um, it's it's very very unlikely. I would say ninety nine point nine percent unlikely that that is the case that it's a pixel issue. But still, in the interest of just like making sure, I would go double check it just to make sure because I think that if you have that box check, it's just going to make you sleep better at night. I know it does for me. Like even if I know like. I know everything works well in my ad manager, but every time I make a new landing page and create a new campaign, I test the link. And then I, I click open landing page at the ad level. I test everything just to make sure because it makes me feel better to just know that even though everything's been working, I know that this one specifically also is working. Uh, fabulous. You're seeing something similar uh, with Nepal and Egypt. My volume of clicks aren't as large as you're seeing, but still lots of clicks with no listeners. Yeah, that stinks, man. Uh, I'm glad that you pulled the pulled them, uh, elective. Good call. Uh, I mean, yeah, no problem, dude. I'm glad to help, man. Thanks for the question. I appreciate you asking. Uh, Tom, I assume when removing those countries, it's best to do it uh, a new ad set. Just got out of a five-day learning phase. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would duplicate it, then reconfigure your targeting there and run it side by side with the existing one. I, <clears throat> just to see what would happen, you know, I've been giving this advice for a, for a while now of like duplicate and make your adjustments in the new. And so this week I thought, well, I've been doing this for months and months and months. And I've been telling everybody to do this. So I'm, it's been a long time since I've made an adjustment inside of an existing ad set and put it back into the learning phase to see what happens. So this week I decided I would do that. I was like, I'm, you know, if it breaks, it breaks, it's whatever, it'll be fine. Um, so I went into an existing ad set. I added a new ad inside of that ad set, changed some creative for that ad and like ran it alongside an existing ad. And I changed the targeting in the ad set and hit publish on it. And sure enough, it like went berserk for 48 hours. Um, horrible cost for conversion. Um, like hardly it took forever in the review process, first of all, a really long time to get reviewed. Um, and then the cost per conversion was just bad for like 48 hours. And it just wasn't worth it. Um, it wasn't worth the headache. If I had been like really relying on this campaign to be performing at, you know, every single day without taking any time off, I would have been pissed. So I still think that duplicating and making the edits inside the duplicate is the way to go. Um, even if it's just something really, really small, I still think that duplicating and changing it there is better because it's just, 
I think it's a really good practice to always keep the best thing you have going, going. That way you never have to worry about wrecking everything and just pulling the whole house of cards down, basically. Um, let's see. Elective, usually toned and click through is 70 to 85%. This new campaign is 18. Oh, gross. That's horrible. Um, yeah, that's no good, dude. Um, <laughs> that's definitely problematic. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Drezzy, what do you think about the new feature of connecting your Shopify directly to your Spotify for artists to sell merch? Drezzy, the first thing I'll say is it's about freaking time that Shopify integrated with Spotify. I cannot believe it took this long. It is insane to me that Shopify being such a powerful platform and used by so many people and Spotify being so big had not connected them. Like the fact that you had to use merch bar like it just made no sense to me anyway. So that being said, I'm really, I'm really glad that it happened. Uh, it's easy to set up. I set mine up, uh, the first day I saw it available. This was like, I don't know, it was earlier this week, uh, maybe Tuesday. The first day I saw it available, uh, I set it up through my Shopify. It took no time at all. I've got merch listed on my profile now. Uh, I love it. I think it's a great feature. I tested the checkout flow. Like, that you go through um, as a customer and it's really good. You end up, the customer ends up checking out on your store and not through Shopify, you know, like summit, like integrations on Facebook and Instagram. There's an option you can check where they check out on Facebook or Instagram. So you uh, don't actually do the final sale through your own platform. Um, so you don't get to have access to the customer data or their email address. You can't, even they can't even add themselves to the, to your email list if they want to if they check out through that. But Spotify sends them to your store to check out, which is really cool. Uh, I like that they do it that way. And dude, I'm just glad that like this is another thing to democratize our opportunity as independent artists. I, I think I I mean I understand the methodology behind these decisions and how they roll these things out to labels and bigger artists first because a ton of these labels have a vested interest in Spotify. I know they had to kiss the ring to even get their platform off the ground initially. So I do get it, but it feels like it has taken on such a different form to me at this point that Spotify is not about the big labels exclusively anymore. It is about anybody who wants to publish music on the internet. And so I'm happy to see that there is yet another way for us to earn revenue as artists through the platform. So I'm excited about it. Um, one thing I will say I have learned, uh, I, the background of my store is not complete white. It's a little bit of a shade of like darker white because of that. I'm using ping images instead of JPEG images, uh, for my merchandise on the store, which is fine on my shop and it's fine on Facebook and Instagram, but on Spotify, because it's all black background, if I have a black t-shirt that's a ping file, Spotify pulls in the ping of the black shirt. So I have like, if you go to my Spotify profile, you'll see on the bottom, I've got a couple of black shirts listed and you can hardly see them. So if you haven't set it up yet, make sure that you use JPEG images or at least an image with a white, I guess, well, you have to use a JPEG image with a white background. Uh, otherwise it won't show up very well. So I learned that the hard way. Still have to fix it. Um, let's see. 
can all and Spotify and Shopify have like the same name. Yeah, about time. Dude, for real. Every time I type in like tags on my YouTube videos, I'll put like Facebook ads for and it'll always fill in Shopify and I almost click it every single time. <laughs> always get mixed up. Um, maybe I should start a website called Tomify <laughs> just to like hop in the ring, right? Um, I don't know what it would do. Let's see. Uh, Amit, I ran a campaign last week with great results. 21 cents per click. Okay, but the budget was super low. Okay, $25 for two weeks. Is there any minimum investment in your opinion to get results? I I like to stay at least at $5 a day. I mean, certainly anything is better than nothing. Like something is better than nothing, right? And it's running a dollar a day or $25 for two weeks is better than playlisting in my opinion, for sure. But if you can manage it, I would not go below $5 a day if you can, because I think that that's really where you're going to start to see enough data circulation and enough results to, to feel like you're really making some progress and to see those results in action on a daily basis. Hey, John Rowan, what's up, buddy? Thanks for hopping in here, man. Good stuff. Just showing support. I love it, dude. Uh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. This is uh, really is great material, and I hope nothing but success for you. Man, thanks a lot, dude. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping in to say that. That makes me feel good. <laughs> uh, Jay Rowan and I went to high school together, everybody else, so we've known each other for a very long time. <laughs> uh, Madi, hey, is this a problem to mint an NFT music, okay, with someone's artwork that you found on the internet? That can be tricky. If it's um, open, if it's Creative Commons, you're fine, but you need to be sure that it is creative commons. If, uh, but I think a lot of those things as well, creative Commons stuff, you can't just take the exact thing and sell it. You've got to make changes to it to make it your own. So I would look into that. I would Google something like creative common, uh, laws and NFTs, um, and see what you come up with. I am not a legal advisor. So don't take what I say as gospel, please. Uh, but I think if, I think if it is creative commons work and you make adjustments to it, you'll be okay, but you've got to rework it to make it your own thing. I would not go copy paste an image from the internet and sell it as an NFT that I definitely would not do, <laughs> but I am happy to hear that you are looking to sell music as an NFT. Uh, which, by the way, on that note, um, I've been in touch with uh, Jackson, the founder of NFT FM, which I don't know if any of you guys remember. I did a video on them um, some time ago about their platform, and they are making some big changes. Uh, he and I are kind of going back and forth to see if there's a time we can get together and chat sometime soon. But they are doing a rebrand and then they are relaunching on the Flow blockchain. And they also um, they currently have support for Ethereum. They have support for uh, Binance Chain, I guess BNB Chain. And they're about to relaunch on Flow, and they've introduced a staking thing, uh, which I think is only available through BNB. But you can stake their native token, which is vinyl, to a specific artist. So you can stake vinyl, like say with me as an artist on there, and you would share your return with me as an artist, and then. You wanted like if you joined as an artist, you can have your fans stake 
into you as an artist and they split their return on the staking with you. Um, and this is all brand new to me. Like I haven't even talked to him in person about it or like via zoom about it. Um, but he shot me an email and told me what was up and I went and checked it out. And sure enough, there are a handful of people staking vinyl, uh, with my artist account on there, which is pretty dope. So, um, he said also that they are looking to kind of, I think he said they're trying to use this, uh, this staking thing as a means of like cultivating kind of like a, a fan club on the site and be like a bit of an exclusive experience, I think for fans and, and artists through there. So I'm really excited to see how this relaunch and rebrand turns out. One of the things I want to talk to him about is um, adding in royalties for resales because uh, somebody pointed that out in a comment on that video that, NFTFM does not have, or at the time did not have a way to dictate a royalty return rate for resale of my NFT that I was selling on there, which is a great point. You can do that on OpenSea. You know, if I sell my NFT and you buy it and sell it, then I can set it to get 10% of every sale from, you know, there on. So if it just changes hands a lot, price goes up a lot, I still get paid. Uh, and I don't think that was an option when I made my NFT on NFTFM. So I'm interested to see how that works out. Uh, did you see much money from Shopify through Spotify? You said it's worth running ads to the Shopify Spotify's. <laughs> um, I, I just hooked it up. I have not seen any sales through there yet. Um, I would probably not try to run ads to get merch sales through Spotify? Probably not. What I would do is I would devise a complex web of targeting and retargeting to pull users in, simultaneously send them to Spotify, send them to Shopify, and then cross-reference all of that based on song and piece of merch. Um, and then ultimately they're going to end up, you know, it's like an X in a square or a triangle, I guess, really. Like if you're coming from Facebook ads to Spotify and Shopify, they're going to go back and forth between the two at some point as well. So, um, but I wouldn't send them to Spotify to try to get sales on Shopify necessarily. Uh, see, I've watched your canvas video. Good stuff. Cool. Love it, man. Thanks for watching it. Uh, I've done it for two tracks and I think they help. Have you done much testing with different canvas content types and their effectiveness? Um, I have, the only thing I've really tested is canvas or no canvas. I recently went through and updated all of the canvases for my songs. Uh, I had about half my catalog with no canvas for a long time. So I just recently went through and added a canvas for everything. And I agree. I do believe that it increases engagement a fair amount because I think that what will happen is, um, by the time somebody lands on the song and hits play, you know, you can pretty much, I think you can pretty much guarantee you're going to get at least 10 to 15 seconds out of them of them just kind of listening and going, I don't know what's happening or like if I like it, but then if they see the canvas, they're probably going to click on it and watch it until they get the gist of it until it repeats and then close it out. And at that point, you might, I think that you probably are going to end up getting to a 30 second mark, which is going to be a stream. So I think in that sense, it's going to increase engagement on your songs. Um, for me, I think my canvases have been effective because the, 
the fact that they are a video is pretty apparent in the background of the app. Um, I've set mine to blink kind of like I do all of my like official audio videos on my channel. It's just that kind of like blinking thing with the album artwork disappearing and reappearing to kind of like simulate that whatever the light source is and the image is going on and off. And that seems to be pretty effective because you can see that blinking behind like the play features and stuff on the screen. So I think as long as there's enough movement to grab somebody's attention behind that like sort of black gradient, I think that's it. You, all you really need to do is get them to like click, like touch the screen with their thumb so that the, the controls disappear and they can see the canvas. And then from that point, like it can be up to eight seconds long. So if you wanted to like, I mean, you could play the TikTok game where like you leave something at the very end that they have to rewatch to see what it was. Like people do that on TikTok all the time, right? They'll add a little piece of text at the very end of the videos. So you have to rewatch it to see what it said. Um, and while you, I don't think you can put text in them necessarily like that. You could have a, it cut to a different frame right at the end before it cycles back around. So then I go, Oh, what was that? I want to see it again. And then at that point, if it's eight seconds long, you just got 16 seconds of view and listen time out of them. So, um, there are a lot of different creative ways to like hack attention through that feature, I think. Um, but yeah, just get like, get creative with it try and test stuff i i've been leaning more into like the i guess the branded experience of what i do like it's no mystery that everything i put on spotify has like a certain look and a certain feel to it because that's kind of what i want to do with this album cycle and so as far as canvases are concerned i don't really want to stray too far from that um and it's also you know i'm always testing a thousand different things so uh, canvas had its day recently and I'll put it on the back burner until I decide to test it again. But in the meantime, I'm doing all kinds of other stuff uh, as well. So uh, I'll probably end up testing some other things. I've seen some people do really cool graphics. Like uh, if you go listen to legend by Bob Marley, um, that whole album has some really cool canvases to it that are like the, um, the three like kind of um, colors like black, red and yellow and green, I guess four colors. And then like his picture doing something, um, you know, I think one, he's like juggling a soccer ball and one is just him smiling, but it's like cropped up and kind of like, it's just, it just looks really cool. Like go look at the canvases for that record. That's a really well done, uh, like records full of canvases. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my take on it. Um, always, yeah, just try stuff, man. You could also test multiple canvas ideas simultaneously as ads if you wanted to like you could make you know three canvases three canvi <laughs> and uh you could run them as stories ads because they're 16 by or they're nine by 16 and then um see which one does the best and test that one as a canvas or you could just like window them run one ad for a week that canvas for the same week next ad the next week canvas the next week and then the third week same thing and then at the end of three weeks like you know which one has done the best you can compare all those results see how it works because you know you you might find that like if somebody sees the ad they get to the song they listen and the canvas is the same thing there might be like a connection point in their brain like hey cool this is like a cool like full circle branded experience and they might land on that and 
be fulfilled by that experience of your music and might end up, you know, sticking around longer. So yeah, always test stuff, man. And then if you really wanted to go nuts, you could take the winning canvas and turn it into an NFT and sell that. <laughs> oh, let's see, Lonnie, has Spotify for artists updated today for you guys yet? Mine still has yesterday's numbers. Let's look. Uh, mine had not updated before the stream. So let's see. Uh, what's today? The 29th? No, mine hasn't updated yet either. Still yesterday. Um, I don't know. They're, it's so weird. Like usually it updates around the same time for me every day, but some days it will be like five o'clock before it updates, which is super frustrating if you've just dropped a song or something like what is happening? <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you could, uh, to continue down this canvas thread, fabulous, you could um, you could make it an ad, make it a canvas, and make it an NFT, and, uh, and have like a full-blown experience, you know, across all of it. Um, I don't think, I don't think you can put text in a canvas and you certainly can't put a call to action in a canvas. But if there was a way to like create an NFT in a nine by 16 format, let's say, and use that as your canvas, somehow let people know that you could buy this canvas uh, on like a specific platform. That could be pretty cool. I don't know how you would do that and get away with it. I don't think you could. You can't like put the OpenSea logo in there because they they wouldn't let you do that. But I don't know. Could be cool. You could maybe just tell your followers about it. Like, hey, this is an NFT. It's the canvas on the song. Go check it out if you want to see what the NFT looks like, and you can buy it here. Could be a cool little thing to test. Um, as soon as I can sort of like dig a little bit more about um, blockchain alternatives to sell NFTs. Um, outside of Ethereum, my plan is to test a lot more NFT stuff like that because like right now, I mean, I would make NFTs, multiple NFTs of every song in some way, shape or form just to test, um, on a different chain than Ethereum. Uh, if the transaction fee was like, you know, five cents or 0 0.05 cents or whatever. But the fact that it's 200 and something dollars per transaction on Ethereum just makes it unusable and untestable. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to sell a trading card for a thousand dollars. I mean, I guess I could, but uh, that doesn't feel like the move for me. And so, uh, you know, a $4 trading card for $250 of fees seems pretty asinine. <laughs> so as soon as I can figure that out, I'll, I plan to test some more stuff because I think that, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday um, about uh, one of my one of my calls yesterday about NFTs and about being a musician and and uh, she was like, so many people are telling me that like to be an artist right now with the launch of NFTs is such a like an enviable place to be. So like we are in so such a good place as creative people making art in the world with the launch of this technology. So I really really want to get to the bottom of how to maximize our opportunity with it. Um, let's see, Tezos. All right, Elective. Appreciate you, man. Um, 
And okay, BSC is and is is ADA has Cardano. They've officially launched NFTs at this point. I'll check it out, man. Thanks for all three of those recommendations. Appreciate you, man. Um, to guard, how many songs should one release to see some success with average songs in a year? If it depends on where you are in your journey, in my opinion, when you're first starting out, you want to release frequently. I think if you can get a song out every six weeks, that's ideal. You can go fast every month. That's great. Uh, no less than one a quarter. But you want to get a catalog up and running as quickly as you can, but without like undercutting your opportunity. If you if you drop a song every week, you are sort of cutting the knees out from under yourself on opportunities for algorithmic push pushes on Spotify. So you want to give each song its due. That's one of the reasons I think six weeks is a good number. You get a four-week span, and then you get two weeks down. Um, so initially, every six weeks for the first year or two, once you have a catalog built up and you have a follower base built up, not to say you can like rest on your laurels, but you can afford to be a little bit slower and more calculating with how you put out music, I think. Because each song you release is an asset out in the world that's earning revenue for you. Even if it's small, uh, it's still earning revenue. Like It's not a huge number, but right now, every single piece of music I have in my catalog on Spotify is generating reven revenue for me in this moment while we're here talking on the internet. The trick is just scaling it to where you add more zeros to the end of it. So you want to get a, a, a body of work out there, a lot of assets out there, initially. And then once those assets are producing for you, then you have the freedom to both of time and financially to move a little bit more slowly if you would like. Um, so I think that once you get that catalog of assets that are earning and you're breaking even or generating a little bit of a profit in ad world, then you can move a little bit more slowly if you want to. But initially, uh, I think you you work hard to get that catalog out there. I I moved honestly slower than I would have wanted to, in hindsight. Hindsight being twenty twenty, um, I I don't I don't regret just starting to hit publish at all. I'm glad I did that. But probably last year, I would like to have released more music last year because I was still very early, um, and. Uh, needed to get that catalog together. Now I feel like my catalog is substantial enough that I could probably move a little bit more slowly, which I have been this year, but I'm going to kind of turn it around a little bit this next year. And even though a lot of it's going to be re-releasing because I'm going to be testing this waterfall method, my plan is to release a song every between four and six weeks, um, all of 2022 to get finally to a full length record. Um, that's my plan. So I'll have a lot of work coming out in 2022 to test all of this stuff with, um, which hopefully will yield good results. I'm really interested to see how the waterfall thing plays out for me personally. I understand it in concept. Obviously, I did a video of it. Um, I've seen a lot of other people do it, but I have yet to try it for myself personally. So I'm excited to see how it goes for me. See what happens. Um, and I think, um, 
I think if I can couple with like waterfall release a full album's worth of material and couple that with dropping an NFT or a series of NFTs for every single song, that could be a really cool thing to test in public and to watch unfold to see what happens with that. I think that could be a lot of fun and hopefully helpful, you know, for other people to be able to see like how this works. And so you can choose whether or not you want to try it yourself. Hey, Kalebo, what's up, dude? I uh, hope you're well. Doing great, man. Glad you're here. Uh, has your YouTube channel following growth been mostly organic or do you do any ads or anything else to grow the channel? Great question. I do not run any ads on my YouTube videos. Everything is organic for me. Um, early on, I did test running some ads. Uh, when I was at like 300 subscribers, I would test running ads. And it almost never translated into subscribers. I would get video views, but it never translated into subscribers. Now, it's probably because I was doing it wrong, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. But um, I just stopped doing it. I stopped doing it once uh, my first video really started to kind of take off. I just It's not that I stopped doing it on purpose. I just stopped paying attention to running ads because I was like, hey, this is growing pretty fast. This is great. So I just let it take over from there. I'd be interested to see you make a video about growing a YouTube channel, assuming you've not made one already. No, I haven't made one. Um, yeah, I haven't made one yet. I will be happy to do that. I know, I guess I've kind of avoided doing that because I've seen a lot of YouTubers make the like how I got from zero to 1000 subscribers video. And um, I just feel, I felt like there were enough of those videos out there, but I guess I, that's kind of naive of me to assume that anybody would want to watch, you know, any specific video. Like maybe you guys want to see just me talk about it. So I'll be glad to make a video about that. Absolutely. Um, I'll walk through all my process for sure. Uh, see, Degar, can we build a community where we can share songs for feedback? Yes, for sure. So there is a, a space inside of the artist access community to do that currently. Um, but, um, right now it's, it's on, it's on the community or excuse me, it's on the Academy platform, which all the course and stuff is built on top of. Um, so you can do that in there. That's what it's for. Um, you can join it, uh, through shop.tomnapi3rd.com, the artist access community. Um, but I think I'm going to move, I'm thinking about maybe moving all of that over to discord. And I'm also thinking about maybe changing the structure of like how to get into the community or at least certain parts of the community. So that to say we have it, but also, yes, I will do a better job of it. <laughs> uh, three thieves. Sorry, lads, been mixing down a vocal. Hey man, all good. I get it. I've been doing some mastering myself today and I'm going to hop back into it as soon as we uh, hop off here. So all good, man. Thanks for hopping in. Um, but yeah, Degard, I think uh, back to your question, I like the idea of having um, a community for feedback, for mixes, for mastering, for all kinds of stuff, for doing collabs. Um, I really want to, I really want to build out a, a robust and very, very helpful community 
that is comprised of people who are involved with and interested in what we talk about on this channel. Um, that was, that's my effort with what is currently out that I've currently built. Um, but I think we can do better. Um, the community has been live for about a month now. And, um, though I think things are going well, I think that there's room for improvement and it's always iteration, right? There's always room to make some, some change, some changes and, um, and do things a little bit better. So, um, I, some, oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Like if you're, if you're in the, I guess, TD3 Academy, we'll call it, uh, right now, then you're early, early. It's, this is the clunkiest version that we're going to have. Hopefully it will always get better from here. Um, I have every intention for it to continue to get better and better. So if you're an early adopter, that means you're here for the process and you're here to hopefully give feedback about what you want to see more of, just like you're doing here. So I appreciate it, man. On that note, uh, if anybody has any more questions, I would love to answer them. Otherwise, um, I'll chit chat for a little bit and then we'll hop off for today. Um, this has been awesome as always, you guys, man, thank y'all for hopping in and asking questions and being involved and for watching the videos for everybody who has joined, uh, the Spotify artist accelerator course or the artist access community. I appreciate you more than, you know, thank you for being in there. Um, thank you for supporting, uh, the channel. If you do want to support the channel and, uh, don't know how that's a great way to do it. Uh, you can go to shop.tomdepreethethird.com and buy some merch. Um, you can DM me and, uh, ask for my cash tag, <laughs> uh, which I've had people do before, which I totally took me off guard. But, um, anyway, uh, just being here and, uh, hanging out is, uh, enough. So thank you guys. Uh, on that note, we will hop off and, uh, I hope that you all have an awesome weekend. I hope you have a great week ahead. We will be back next Friday at the same time right here on the tubes. And, um, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Raheem, what's up? Thank you for taking the time to help other artists. Thank you for hopping in here to say that. I appreciate you on that note. I'm going to hop off. Have a great weekend and a great week and I'll see you next week. Peace.